Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to have joining us Alex Ellswick, our Substance Use Prevention and Recovery Specialist. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for having me. Alex, today's topic, I think, is probably one that's on the minds of most parents and falls into what I kind of consider the difficult conversations, but definitely conversations that are important to have with our kiddos. And um, really, today, we're just going to have an open and honest conversation about how you can talk to your children about substance use and substance use prevention and um, do it in a way that they that they understand and that they also then learn more about the world around them. Mm-hmm. So kick us off and let's get started. So we'll, this will kind of be our prevention 101. I figure we'll we'll talk a little bit about having that conversation, the dreaded conversation. I figure the two conversations are sex and drugs. So we'll leave the other one to the parenting specialist and we'll focus <laughs> you on... You don't want to cover both No, today. I don't want to touch that one. Okay. And then we'll talk a little bit about things that parents can actually do in terms of prevention and, and helping keep their kids away from, from substances. So to start off with the dreaded drug talk... One of the most important things to think about is is not to think of that as a one-time conversation. I think for a lot of parents, they because it's uncomfortable, um, it's easy to sort of think of it like something to check off the checklist. Let's just uh, have the conversation, get it over with, and, and be done. Um, and instead, it's better for parents to think of this as an ongoing dialogue um, that starts when kids are young and continues all throughout their development. Let's answer that question because just just as you started talking there, my immediate thought was, what is the appropriate age? As, as you know, you know our family well that we have both a 7-year-old and a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. What is the appropriate age to start having those conversations? So as soon as kids begin to verbalize, they're already beginning to take in an understanding of substances. And that seems weird to say, but kids will see mom taking a multivitamin or taking a drug out of the of the cabinet. Like a, um, a ibuprofen. Like or... an ibuprofen. And so it's a good time to start talking about the fact that drugs themselves are not good or bad. Drugs are really neutral. They provide benefits and they have side effects. Um, and so you can kind of begin the conversation in a benign way that's sort of non-threatening. Um, when kids are young, of course, we want it to be age and stage appropriate. So you're going to want to talk in terms that your kids can understand and I think one of the, the big focuses is making sure that it's a dialogue and not a monologue. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we think of the drug talk as a lecture, and we're going to make sure we tell our kids everything we want them to know. And, and that's not the most effective way to communicate this subject matter. It seems much more effective to sit down and have an ongoing dialogue where um, you're really hanging on every word that your child says so that they see that you're, you're listening and um, you're being responsive to what they have to say. And I think one reason that parents may lean more towards that monologue is because they want to stay within their their comfort zone or that they're afraid of getting questions that they do not have the answers to. And I think it's important for parents to understand it's that's okay. And it's, it's okay to say to your child, you know, I don't know right now, but we can find the answer out to this. That's exactly the answer. It's what you learn when anybody thinks you're an expert in anything. <laughs> you don't have to try to to be the know-it-all. That's, that's a great answer is uh, I'm not sure about that, but let's find that out together. And then you can go to the Google machine and you can type it in and you can try to find answers. And that actually leads me to another thought, which is 
to focus on facts, not fears. So certainly there are some things um, that are scary about, about drug use, about the consequences of drug use, but it's important to stay within the realm of what is true and what is real and focus on, on the facts because in order for fear to be effective, kids need to have a fully developed brain. And unfortunately, kids don't have their that part of their brain online until they're about 25. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So you're, you're really kind of wasting your breath if you're spending too much time talking about just focusing on consequences. So when you talk about providing factual information, and you just mentioned the Google machine, but mm-hmm. with any, any type of internet search, obviously you're going to find a wide array of information. How can a parent actually vet that information to be certain that they are providing factual, kind of what we tend to call in the university world, research-based information? I would encourage parents to stick to a number of sources. A great source is is from the National Institute of Drug Abuse, and their website is drugabuse.gov. And they have a tremendous amount of resources specifically for parents. Um, there are videos that are kind of interactive for kids um, for different age levels, and you can trust the information that comes from there. You can also look at different blogs, places like Psychology Today that are written by licensed professionals. But you raise a really good point, which is there's all kinds of information that, that you're going to get from a Google search, and not all of it is, is good and sound. And so just as a a parent, just being mindful of that, looking to make certain that it does come from a legitimate source, and also maybe finding multiple sources that verify the same type of information. That's right. So as I start going back to this conversation and and thinking about um, having it with, with smaller children, how does the conversation change as our children age? So, for example, how does the conversation look different now that I have a just finished middle schooler heading into high school? How's that conversation different with him than it is with our younger elementary? Right. So, your younger elementary kids, the conversation is going to be much more introductory just talking about drugs in general, some of the ways that drugs are beneficial to us, some of the ways they can be harmful. Um, but when you're talking about a 14-year-old, you're talking about really the prime age where you want to be having this conversation. And you really want to begin engaging them in a dialogue where they're able to ask questions and talk about their experiences and what they're seeing around them because there are so many things about adolescence, about that 13 to 17-year-old range that are wrapped up in in the potential risk factors for drug use and and the need for prevention. So it's really a critical age and a critical time to be having that conversation. As a parent, and I, you know, I'm thinking about having those conversations with with my child, who who you know, and he's mm-hmm. he's not <laughs> he's not always most open. Most, most of his answers are one word answers, right. which I think is fairly typical of a teenager sure. that age, especially a male. But of uh, really getting him to have that dialogue back and forth, and you know how to engage him in those conversations. Or to encourage him to to share with us those things that he is experiencing at school or that he has been exposed to so that we can kind of help him sort through everything that he is seeing and hearing in his world. Sure. So a couple of things there. One that, that I learned from my therapy experience is that sometimes our the way we frame questions or our body language when someone responds shuts them down even when we don't intend to. And I think it's an easy mistake to make as a parent in this position because it's a tough position to be in and having this conversation. But if your kid responds in a way that 
maybe glorifies drug use or they say something that you think is silly or ridiculous, it can be easy to make a face or to react in such a way that sort of shames them for sharing that. But what you want to do is encourage all of their sharing because it doesn't mean you have to condone it and it doesn't mean that you don't challenge things that are untrue. But it does mean that you want to create a dialogue that's a safe space because uh, you, you want your kids to really feel that they can be open and honest and that that it's not a threatening conversation to have. Right. And I, I think it is really difficult at this age. And, and we've kind of learned with, with our son that there was something a couple weeks ago when we were texting back and forth and I was getting one word answers. Good. Okay. So <laughs> when I get those, I say, okay, everything's okay. And then a couple hours later, he started texting in sentences oh. and I, it scared me. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? It scared me. But at least, you know, it was enough that I could recognize a difference in kind of how he changed his responses. Mm-hmm. And to say, okay, well, he needs a little bit more here. I don't need to overreact to this, but he needs a little bit more here and he needs some support to help him think through this situation. So I think also sometimes it's just being mindful as parents of how, you know, just those slight subtle changes in behavior that sure. we need to pick up on and and use that to kind of help them through their situations. It's a good point. And, and so you want to be asking sort of open-ended questions that allow kids the opportunity to reflect and to kind of talk these things through a little bit. But one of the other things that I learned through therapy is even if you want to ask a why question, because that's the answer you want is the why, a lot of times kids don't really know. So they're going to give you an answer. If you ask someone why, they're probably going to respond and give you an answer. But most often they don't know why they believe that or where they got that from. So you can ask a little bit more about their experience. What's this like for you? And kind of just prodding questions that that are open and not necessarily leading any one direction um, and just allowing the conversation to take hold. And one analogy that I like to use with starting with young kids, and I think it applies all the way up through adolescence, is the analogy of the predisposition for addiction as an allergy. So uh, a lot of kids will be familiar with a student in their class who has a peanut allergy, who can't be around peanut butter, and they understand that when that student is exposed, they have an allergic reaction. So a lot of times I describe to, to, to kids that some people have an allergy to drugs and alcohol. And when they're exposed to drugs and alcohol, they have a different reaction than the other 90% of the population. Right. And I think it's important to understand that. I think it's important as parents to also understand this. And um, just just for our listeners, for their background knowledge, that I feel like that we're blessed in our household because not only do I have the opportunity to work for you, but we're also friends within our family so that you've been able to kind of help guide us through with our children these conversations. And that was one of the most meaningful conversations that I feel like that that you helped us have was really kind of understanding how how addiction occurs mm-hmm. and just learning more about it. And along that kind of same line of thought, a question that I wanted to ask is that one thing that we learned with our kids through you is that we had the opportunity to expose them to some community events that may be focused around recovery. Mm-hmm. Through those events, it created additional conversations. In general, is that something that that families should look into doing is is kind of seeing what's going on in their local communities in terms of substance use prevention and recovery and using that as a springboard? Yeah, it's, it's actually a brilliant way to do it because, one, it means you've started the conversation early. You've laid the groundwork. And then by exposing kids to to recovery, it does a number of things. And one of the things that it does is it piques their curiosity. 
community. So now they're coming to you to have the conversation, which is bound to be a much more effective conversation than when you come sit on the edge of their bed and say, hey, we need to talk. And and they want to shut down and give one word answers. So in that way, it's going to be a much more effective conversation. And the other thing that it does is it destigmatizes substance use. And the reason that's useful in terms of prevention is not just so that we're not harming people who use drugs um, or people who get addicted, but also it, it works towards prevention. Because if kids think that bad people use drugs, then it's easy for a kid to say, well, I'm a good person, right. so I won't use drugs. It'll never happen to me. But when kids see that the reality is that all different kinds of people can be impacted by drug addiction or just by drug use, they're much more likely to say, oh, I'm a lot like that person and look where they went. Maybe it's it could happen to me and maybe this is something I need to take seriously. And I think that that's been one of the things that's been most impactful for our kiddos when they've had the opportunity to participate with us and you through these events is that they they can kind of look out and they see they see our family walking around. Mm-hmm. Like you said, and our son was much younger than when you know, we kind of started this conversation in this process. And it did kind of create those conversations that he had to ask questions about why. Well, mm-hmm. why did they do this? Or what did this person mean when they said that? Or even, you know, through the different arts and crafts activities, well, why did, you know, well, why did we color a dove? Or why mm-hmm. did we, mm-hmm. and it, it allowed us then to have kind of just those really more organic type conversations that really answered his questions. And then as he's gotten older, we've been able to continue those conversations. Again, I will say that we're blessed because we have you as our backstop. <laughs> and not everyone, yeah. not everyone sure. has that, but there are resources out there in the communities, uh, local communities, very similar to you that can provide additional education and services. Sure. Most communities in Kentucky now have something like a recovery community organization, which is not necessarily a treatment center, but just an organization that focuses on recovery that can give parents access to resources and kind of be a good opportunity for kids to get some exposure. You know, we had the 4-H teen conference this past week. Right. And we use that. Natalie Jones and I uh, use it as an opportunity to try to begin that conversation with those kids and to begin exposing them just in a, in a, a little bit, just dipping our toe in the water, some exposure to addiction and recovery and, and help them see the other side. Alex, thank you for joining us today. I think our big take-home message for all parents is just open, honest conversations that you don't have to know all the answers. Just be willing to help support your kiddo and, and seek out those answers. That's it. Thanks, Alex. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.